And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 radio network. Streaming on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. The website is JimDawes.com. And you can contact me directly. The email is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. And the voicemail is 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Night two of the Motown Smackdown. And again, we had three whole hours of uh, these 10 Democrat candidates for the 2020 nomination, the second 10, the second half of the clown car. And apparently, most people have had their fill of it because the um, the ratings for these two nights of debate are down about half from the uh, the first round of debates that... Uh, that they had in Miami, I guess it's been about a month ago. And not only that, but the ratings were down from night one of the debates in Motown, where you had Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders uh, teeing off against uh, Marianne Williamson and some other relatively interesting characters. And uh, and this night, the, the ratings from night one and night two are down almost half as well. And so people, you know, they, they've had enough of this. Uh, it's really not engaging. It's too long. Uh, we, it's totally confusing trying to figure out uh, what they're trying to, what kind of health care plan they're trying to put forward. I don't think they really even know. At this point, last night's debate, the candidates were, in fact, repudiating Obamacare and pointing out, you know, the failure that it has been. It was a disastrous plan to begin with, and the whole notion that Donald Trump is damaging health care by trying to repeal it and uh, put back into place market forces is not, you know, they, they may get away with that in these, uh, these Democrat debates, but uh, when they get on the stage with Donald Trump, that, that's not going to work. And another thing that was very clear last night is that the Democrats are caught in a quandary they know that if they put forward one of these far-left candidates that uh, does nothing but run around screaming racism and white privilege and all of this other BS that supports open borders and uh, free health care for illegal immigrants, that uh, wants a guaranteed wage and, and all of these other social pro- socialist programs, that Donald Trump will mop the floor with them because this c- country is not ready for that. This is a prosperous, free market country in a very prosperous free market time and if this is the time that the democrat party wants to trot out a marxist to take over this economy (laughs) good luck with that so their great savior is going to be joe biden and joe biden's got some real problems one He's old Joe Biden. He's, he's never been terribly bright. He's never been terribly articulate. The two times he ran 
for president of the United States, he would have been if, if, if he were, you know, uh, he, he was the equivalent of the people out on the end of the stage back then. He was polling, you know, uh, in the low single digits back then. He wasn't a good presidential candidate when he was a young buck. And now that he's in his 70s and not wearing it well, he's even a worse candidate. But this is the guy that the Democrat Party thinks is going to be their savior from these far-left lunatics that they've got up there in order to take on Donald Trump. And uh, it's not shaping up good for him. I mean, as a Trump supporter, I'm loving it. If this is really, if they're really going to put old Joe out there, this is really the best they've got. Oh, man, it is going to be a bloodbath. I'll give you just a little taste of Joe Biden last night. Now, they're saying that he was better last night than he was in the uh, the Miami debate where it was just a disaster. You thought, well, maybe he had wandered off from the memory care facility. But it wasn't much better. Because we, we further support the, uh, the, the, the ability we to be dealing with the whole, excuse me. And so I, uh, you know, I, I, I looked at it anyway. I, that's what I think. My fact is that the bills that the president, that excuse me, the future president here, that that that's the senator say that we need a realistic plan. Here's what I no, believe. I didn't say that. Here's what I believe. Go to Joe three o three three o. Go to Joe three o three three o. He doesn't know what century it is. <laughs> it's supposed to go to Joe twenty twenty or whatever it is. He can't even keep it straight. You know, what century he's in doesn't know when he is speaking, much less name the day and the date. And uh, the consensus, interestingly enough, since he did do a little bit better in this debate at the New York Times and the Washington Post and the left wing uh, talking heads on MSNBC and CNN was that uh, Joe Biden survived. And that's what they're clinging to. He'd survived despite the fact that he had Kamala Harris on one side and Cory Booker on the other, you know, trying to put the shiv in to this old white man so that they could clear the stage for, you know, their uh, their candidate of color. Joe Biden was still standing at the end of it. He wasn't making much sense, but apparently that's enough for them. Look, I think the good news for Joe Biden is this was maybe the best he could do. Uh, and the bad news is this may be the best he could do. Uh, he was much better than last time. He was much more engaged. Uh, but uh, I agree with I agree with these these guys. He had moments in which he was uncertain, where he was on the defensive. He was on defensive all night because the, the Democrats pointed out a problem that Joe Biden has got. The reason that we elected Donald Trump was a repudiation of the last 40 years of dysfunction in Washington, D.C., the last eight of which were under, you know, Joe Biden was the vice president under Barack Obama. And he's got to own all of that. So this is basically, if if it's going to be Joe Biden as the nominee of the Democrat Party, this is going to be Hillary 2.0, except for, if anything, Hillary had more energy 
than old Joe Biden. And we're, I have to remind you, we're right at the very beginning of this campaign. If Joe Biden is this tired and this incoherent and this unsteady on his feet, imagine what he's going to be like at the end of a rigorous Democrat primary and a, uh, a general election campaign against one of the most energetic forces of nature you'll ever see. Can you imagine Joe Biden out there trying to fill up arenas and doing three and four of these big uh, uh, arenas per day? Well, that's not gonna, just not going to happen. And he's going to be out there with a mix, Joe Biden will, of repudiating his past positions that no longer play well with the social justice warrior types, while at the same time trying to defend the economic policies that absolutely gutted manufacturing in our country. (laughs) I don't think it's going to work. As a matter of fact, old Joe Luntz, he's a Republican pollster nominally. I mean, he, he regularly takes out after uh, Trump. And, uh, but, but, you know, he's, he's got his pulse on what exactly, you know, uh, the public is feeling at any given time. He, he went out into the streets and um, where is this clip? Oh, actually, it was somebody from campusreform.org that went out in the street and talked to Biden supporters, people that were wearing Biden T-shirts, and asked them to just name one of Joe Biden's accomplishments in the 40 years plus that he's been in the government. Do you view as Joe Biden's singular like accomplishment you would point to? I don't know of a specific accomplishment of his. I know that there are things that, you know, he can put his name on and say, well, this was done when I was in office. This was done when I was in office. I'll be honest with you. I'm drawing a blank on on what, what, what he accomplished. I do know that he's fought for poor Americans. Are there any accomplishments that come to mind that you can point to for Joe Biden? No. Anything? No. I don't know. What would you view as Joe Biden's main accomplishment? His accomplishment has been um, the health care program. He was, you know, very instrumental with that. In your mind, what is Joe Biden's main accomplishment you would point to? I'm, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I have an answer for that. Tangibly, though, if a, if a person who was undecided were to ask you, What's the, the main thing you can point to as, as Joe Biden's singular accomplishment? What would you point them to? Well, I think his, uh, you know, years of service, uh, but more and more recently, I think he served with very much <laughs> distinction with, uh, with Obama. Oh, my God. If he goes up against Trump, all, all Trump's going to have to do is dust off his old lines. You know, experience doesn't count for anything if it's bad experience. But Biden's going to be saying, well, I, you know, I was there. He's been there since he's 27 years old, and he's 77 now. He's been there 50 years, 50 years in Washington. He's got to own all of the disasters from that from that uh, period of time. And he's trying to refashion himself 
He's trying to repudiate his crime bill that uh, you know he was uh, instrumental in in the Senate. He's trying to uh, distance himself from Obamacare because he knows so many people have had a terrible experience with it. And um, and Cory Booker and Kamala Harris and some of the others are just not having it. They're going to hang this stuff around his neck like an albatross. And uh, if he does win, he's going to be so beaten up and wounded and cut to pieces that uh, he's going to be going into the general election, you know, diminished and if he doesn't win (laughs) and we get then we get uh booker or harris or crazy bernie or focahontas shaping up pretty good uh at one point last night as joe biden was being attacked for um you know not not wanting medicare for all and not going along with um doing away with employer-based Healthcare. Biden got a little bit carried away and um, and promised to throw some of these uh, these greedy rich uh, healthcare executives in jail. Let's talk about math. Let's talk about math. Let's talk about the fact that the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies last year alone profited $72 billion. And that is on the backs of American families. I have the only plan that limits the ability of insurance companies to charge unreasonable prices. Flat out, number one. Number two, we should put some of these insurance executives who totally oppose my plan in jail. So they're going to they're gonna jail health insurance executives for opposing Joe Biden's plan. Man, that has, as the saying goes, that sure escalated fast. Reasonable prices, flat out, number one. Number two, we should put some of these insurance executives who totally oppose my plan in jail. Huh. We're going to jail insurance executives. So uh, uh, apparently... Old Joe Biden is all on board with uh, de Blasio. He opened the night last night saying he was going to tax the hell out of the rich. And that's, you know, that's the Democrat Party. That's uh, that's the current Marxist uh, Democrat Party that's uh, running against free enterprise in this country. Here's that uh, clip I mentioned about Joe Luntz from Joe Luntz talking about Biden's uh, new stance on health care. Wow. Uh, Frank, what do you think? Healthcare has been a huge topic uh, on every one of these debates. Joe Biden, the vice president of the United States, calling for the jailing of CEOs from healthcare companies. If that's not an example of how the Democratic Party has changed, I don't know what is. What I saw over the last 48 hours is a Democratic Party that is hostile to corporate America, hostile to some of the people who are watching right now, and the language, the rhetoric, and these were the lines that got the greatest applause. So if you want to get the nomination right now, you've got to be against capitalism. You've got to be against economic freedom. And by the way, it's not just criticism of the healthcare companies. It's all of economic America right now. And today there are 500 or 1,000 CEOs that should be waking up scared to death. <laughs> they definitely ought to be wondering about the future of uh, you know business in the United States were one of these lunatic Democrats to be elected. At one point last night, Joe Biden said he was going to eliminate fossil fuels in his uh, his first term. 
Now that may have just been, you know, an example of um, his uh, shaky grasp on reality. But the fact that it would even come out of his mouth and not be questioned by everybody else up there on stage and the moderators, and it wasn't the, you know, the headline coming out of this debate tells you a lot about the Democrat Party and their mouthpieces at the New York Times and the Washington Post. Going to do away with fossil fuels. And he said that on a debate stage in the Motor City. <laughs> he, he's going to do away with the internal combustion engine. He says that on stage in Detroit, Michigan. That's that's just great. So I, I mentioned that uh, that opening from Bill de Blasio. Here, here it is. Uh, this sort of set the tone for the evening. This has to be the party that's not afraid to say out loud, we're going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. And when we do that, Donald Trump, right on cue, will call us socialists. You think? <laughs> you think? Absolutely, he'll call you socialists because you are socialists. And I, and I wish they would stop using this term socialist, which sort of has a, a touchy-feely aspect to it. Uh, we're just going to be social. What they're doing is they're promoting Marxism. They're promoting an anti-free enterprise agenda, and it's Marxism. And Bill de Blasio and Bernie Sanders as well are old-school commies. They are not just Marxists. They, they are supporters of the old Soviet Union. They are supporters of Cuba. They were supporters of the communist Sandinistas. The fact that a communist, to his core, Bill de Blasio, is mayor of the biggest city in this country is a disaster in and of itself. And the Democrats have given us that. As the uh, the festivities began last night, there were some uh, some protesters um, there, apparently following De Blasio around, demanding the firing of that police officer that was recently acquitted by the Department of Justice for supposedly killing Eric Gardner. And it went on and on like this. So fire Pantaleo. Now, this this whole Eric Garner thing, just like the Trayvon Martin thing, and the, um, the uh, Michael Brown incident in Ferguson, Missouri, the, the mythology and the dishonesty that has been promoted by uh, the, the, the left-wing media has entered uh, American consciousness as uh, as conventional wisdom and they are all this conventional wisdom based on lies in the case of eric gardner this uh, this police officer that uh, they're protesting and they want to get fired pantaleo he was attempting to subdue a 300 pound actually i think he's about 340 eric gardner who was refusing to uh to be arrested and um, and he 
supposedly put him in a chokehold for seven seconds and is said to have choked Eric Garner out. That is a a damn lie. They will tell you again and again that uh, Michael, uh, that Eric Garner was repeating, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, as Michael Pantaleo choked him to death. Well, guess what? If you're being choked, you can't talk. They're saying through videotape review that uh, he had this so-called chokehold on him for seven seconds. And during that seven seconds, Michael Brown said no less than 11 times that I can't breathe. Well, if you can say I can't breathe 11 times in seven seconds, then you can breathe. You don't even start the Heimlich maneuver on somebody if they can talk because you're liable to do more damage, uh, you know, uh, obstructing their airwave than if you uh, if you let them try to clear it themselves. If they're saying, I'm choking, well, then they're still moving air. And Eric Gardner saying 11 times in seven seconds, I can't breathe, means for a fact he was moving air. The reason Michael Brown died is he he had advanced heart disease and all sorts of other physical ailments. And he thought it would be a good idea for him to take on some police officers. And he had a heart attack and died as a result of it. He was morbidly obese. He had no business trying to fight some New York City police officers. And he died as a result of it. I feel bad for his family. He should have had better sense than that. But it's not the officer's fault. It's not Pantaleo's fault. And I guarantee you. If they had a case against him, the Obama Justice Department would have pursued it. But just like um, the police officer in Ferguson who was defending himself being charged by a criminal that had already already tried to take his weapon and shoot him with it. And just like um, George Zimmerman was defending himself against Trayvon Martin who was beating his head against a a concrete sidewalk. All of these were justifiable. But that doesn't stop uh, these these, um, left-wing Democrats from continuing to try to demonize police officers who have a very difficult job. And in this case, Julian Castro went up to the microphone last night and actually called out this police officer that has now been cleared of any wrongdoing. Secretary Secretary Castro, uh, your response to Governor Inslee? Well, that it's much more than that, because what we see, and this was a good example the other day of of, uh, the Department of Justice not uh, going after Officer Pantaleo, that, you know, Officer Pantaleo used a chokehold that was prohibited by NYPD. He did that for seven seconds, 11 different times. Eric Garner said that he couldn't breathe. Uh, he knew what he was doing, that he was killing Eric Garner, and yet he has not been brought to justice. That police officer should be off the street. Mayor de Blasio. So Julian Castro right there committed a slander. This, this officer has already gone through uh, a trial, due process, and invest, federal investigation for civil rights. He's been cleared every single time, and yet Julian Castro on a national stage is continuing to smear this officer. 
The officer is not a public figure. He is a public servant, but he's not a public figure, and he should sue Julian Castro and make him come into court and answer for these slanders. He should sue him in Texas, where Castro is from. See how a Texas jury takes to that sort of um, outrage. We're going to come back and we're going to get a little bit deeper into uh, the debate last night. And then we're going to cover some other news. When you come back after two messages and join me on right now with Jim Dawes. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. And you are back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Infestation, he says. Those were the words of Victor Blackwell over there at CNN. As he choked back tears and tried to overcome the terrible insult that Donald Trump had made by pointing out that Elijah Cummings' home district was named by Orkin as one of the most rat-infested cities in the country. Infestation, he says said Victor Blackwell. And then he and that paragon of um, civil rights and equality, Al Sharpton, go on to say that um, Donald Trump only uses those words about uh, black and brown cities. And anybody that uses that word infestation, oh, that's awful. That They're obviously not talking about the rodent problem, they're talking about black and brown people. Well, there's another clip that's recently come out about somebody uh, with somebody else referring to the infestation in Baltimore. It, this clip is from 1999, and it is none other than Elijah Cumming himself. This morning, I left my community of Baltimore, a drug-infested area, where a lot of the drugs that we're talking about today have already taken the lives of so many children. The same children that I watched 14 or 15 years ago as they grew up, now walking around like zombies. This is only 40 miles away from here. Zombies? You can't use that kind of language. You you can't call black and brown people, especially your own constituents, zombies. 
I suppose that uh, Al Sharpton and uh, and Victor Blackwell are going to be quick to call out Elijah Cummings' racism with this long history of these awful choices of word. Morning. I left my community of Baltimore, a drug-infested area, where a lot of... No, that's not going to happen. You see, all of this is just a tactic. It's all the Democrats really have. They're failed policies that have been shown in blue state after blue state and Democrat-controlled city after Democrat-controlled city is not going to play well. And so what they've got left is charges of racism. When you've got a great economy, record low unemployment, peace overseas, prosperity at home and all uh, and all of the problems that do exist like down on the border and urban decay or owned lock stock and barrel for the democrat party the only thing you're left with is to scream racism racism and they've got none other than al sharpton out there as their spokesperson to bring donald trump down for racism and it would be funny if it were not so ridiculous. You've got Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren and other and Bernie Sanders, other major Democrat presidential candidates and a whole bunch of, you know, uh, uh, Democrat worthies all out there saying that Al Sharpton has been a leader for civil rights and, and against uh, injustice for his whole life. And I suppose all I can figure out is they're counting on uh, the, the younger generation that is a major portion of their base not to know the history of Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton, who led the Tawana Brawley hoax that ripped New York City apart. Al Sharpton that incited the riots in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, that got that... Um, was his name Yanklebaum, stabbed and murdered, a Hasidic Jew walking home, minding his own business. And it was Al Sharpton that incited a riot outside of Freddy's Fashion Mart. It's been 20 years or more now. That led to somebody going in there with a gun, uh, shooting in a, in a can of gasoline, shooting one of, uh, I guess it was Freddie himself, dead and killing six others in the fire. This is the guy, Al Sharpton, that now rushed to fill the void of Elijah Cumming there in Baltimore because Elijah Cumming was overseas on a junket, noshing on uh, Italian food in a five-star restaurant in Italy. So they dispatched... Al Sharpton to be their spokesperson. Drug infested, he says. Yeah, <laughs> you got to hope that enough people are paying attention to this. And then we've got, uh, uh, you know, you, last night we played Beto, who, who goes on this long tear about how this country is founded in racism and eat up with racism and white supremacy is still the guiding principles that govern this country and on the 
uh, debate stage last night, you had Christian Gillibrand, who is sort of, you know, the the carrier of that message that uh, I I benefit from white privilege and and I'm going to flog myself in front of you to curry favor. Have you ever noticed white people are the only group on this earth that constantly sit around accusing each other of racism? The Asians don't do that. The blacks don't do that. Hispanics don't do it. That's a white thing. Accuse each other of of racism and and fall right into this um, this bogus narrative. Western civilizations have been the least racist in the history of the world, and yet we're the ones because a substantial portion of our population suffers from um, pathological altruism that uh, that can't move past it. And it, it not only damages white people, it damages black people too because they see this and they think, well, you know, maybe I really am a victim. Maybe I really am being discriminated against. Maybe they really do hate me. The truth of the matter, it's just a tactic. It's just a tactic of the Democrat Party who has for its entire life based all of their appeals on race and resentment. And here was uh, Christian Gillibrand as, you know, from rural upstate New York, flailing herself on the stage last night. Issues of institutional racism, systemic racism in our country. I think as a white woman of privilege who is a U.S. senator running for president of the United States, it is also my responsibility to lift up those voices that aren't being listened to. And I can talk to those white women in the suburbs that voted for Trump and explain to them what white privilege actually is. That when their son is walking down a street with a bag of M&Ms in his pocket, wearing a hoodie, his whiteness is what protects him from not being shot. What? Walking down the street with a bag of M&Ms in his pocket. Which actually is that when their son is walking down a street with a bag of M&Ms in his pocket, wearing a hoodie, his whiteness is what protects him from not being shot. Yeah, she's referring to apparently Trayvon Martin. Then he had a bag of Skittles in his pocket and a big uh, jar of Arizona tea. And they brought that up. They kept saying, oh, he was just armed with a bag of Skittles. Well, the problem is he snuck up behind a neighborhood watch guy, cold cocked him, had him on the ground, sitting on his chest, beating his head against a concrete sidewalk. Now, if you're going to do that, if you're going to take offense that somebody is observing you and you're going to sneak up behind them and attack them, and try to bust their head on a concrete, you better hope that they're not armed. Because if they are armed, you pick the wrong guy. And that's exactly what happened to Trayvon Martin. Pick the wrong guy. And I'm not sure, I never have been able to figure out what the Skittles in his pocket is supposed to have to do with anything, but uh, Kristen Gillibrand can't even keep the story straight anymore. She's talking about M&M's. Mm-hmm. Well, they t- they had a lot to say uh, to old Joe last night about his support of the crime bill back in the uh, uh, Clinton administration. And um, Biden is doing his best to back away from this thing and disown it. The truth of the matter is, 
uh, the crack cocaine epidemic was tearing apart major cities. People couldn't go out of their homes anymore. The murder rate was absolutely through the roof. There was a lot of drug dealers making a lot of money on crack cocaine, and there was a lot of crack cocaine addicts that were out there robbing and stealing in order to be able to buy more crack cocaine. And the the crime bill was very successful. It took a lot of these people off the streets so that decent folks that were trying to go about their lives in these communities wouldn't have to fear being shot down in some drug deal crossfire. But that was then, and this is now. So where do I start with this? Uh, Here is Biden responding to the attacks on him about this crime bill. Right now, we're in a situation where when someone is convicted of of a drug crime, they end up going to jail and to prison. They should be going to rehabilitation. They shouldn't be going to prison. When in prison, they should be learning to read and write and not just sit in there and learn how to be better criminals. And when they get out of prison, they should be in a situation. Well, yeah, they should be engaged in productive activity when they're in prison. They should not be allowed to sit around and uh, exercise with weights all the time. I never understood why they allowed these weight rooms and these prisons so that these guards who... A lot of them are out of shape and fat, would have an even harder time, you know, dealing with these uh, these prisoners. But yeah, you know, that's a, that's sort of a typical old school uh, liberal response. We gotta we gotta train them up. We gotta rehabilitate them. We gotta, um, you know, use this time before we turn them back out on the streets. And I agree with it entirely. If you're in jail, you should be uh, uh, trying to improve yourself. You got nothing else to do. Cory Booker was not having it. Mr. Vice President has said that since the 1970s, every major crime bill, every crime bill, major and minor, has had his name on it. And, sir, those are your words, not not mine. And this is one of those instances where the house was set on fire and you claimed responsibility for those laws. And you can't just now come out with a plan to put out that fire. We have got to have far more bold action mm-hmm. on criminal justice reform, like having you, true marijuana justice. Marijuana justice? What is marijuana justice? People doing away with all the marijuana laws, I suppose. They've done away with them in many places, including Cory Booker's home state of New Jersey. Decriminalized it. Cory Booker takes off on, set the house on fire. He's getting his law enforcement and his fire protection all mixed up but biden showed a little life they told him beforehand you can't just stay there and take all these punches you got to punch back and so he he went after booker since 2007 i for example tried to get the crack powder cocaine totally disparity totally eliminated in 2007 you became mayor you had a police department that was, you went out and you hired Rudy Giuliani's guy. You engaged in stop and frisk. You had 75% of those stops. And the reason he hired Rudy Giuliani's guy is Rudy Giuliani's guy with the stop and frisk had, um, had cleaned up New York City. New York City, prior to Rudy Giuliani, was in a death spiral of crime and drug dealing and violence on the streets, and because of the policies that Giuliani put in, 
they made the the place livable again. And yeah, as uh, mayor of Newark, New Jersey, Cory Booker brought uh, that same guy in to try to clean up Newark as well. And now we're at the point where people are being attacked for that. Now, Cory Booker failed ultimately in Newark, New Jersey, because he didn't have the courage of his convictions. And he ended up, as most Democrat uh, mayors do, turning around and attacking his own police department. But he had the right idea. You engaged in stop and frisk. You had 75% of those stops reviewed as illegal. You found yourself... Reviewed as illegal by his citizen com- police commission, which they uh, they end up appointing these uh, these neighborhood activists that are very anti-police. So, you know, it, the Democrats are ripping themselves apart. You engaged in stop and frisk. You had 75% of those stops reviewed as illegal. You found yourself in the situation where three times as many African-American kids were caught in that chain and caught up. The Justice Department came after you for saying you were, you were engaging in behavior that was inappropriate. And then, in fact, uh, and nothing happened the entire time you were mayor. Well... Nothing did ultimately happen because uh, Booker backed off of um, you know the stop and frisk and cleaning up the streets because the, uh, the the civil rights activists took out after him. Not sure what that whole thing about uh, three times as many African American. I think uh, I think Newark, New Jersey is like ninety five percent black. So you would think that yeah, at least three times as many black uh, people would be, would be subject to criminal justice in that city. But Booker, uh, Booker hit him back. We have a system right now that's broken. And if you want to compare records, and frankly, I'm shocked that you do, uh, I am happy to do that. Because all of the problems that he is talking about that he created, I actually led the bill that got passed into law that reverses the damage that your bills, that you were, frankly, to correct you, Mr. Vice President, you were bragging, calling it the Biden crime bill up till 2015. Thank you, Senator. Vice President Biden. Biden started mumbling and, you know, bumbling and trying to figure out how to come back. Uh, the truth of the matter is the repeal of the crime bill. And, and by the way, this uh, this so-called prison reform that uh, uh, that uh, that uh, Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has put into place will ultimately result in an increase again in crime. Because they're they're making justifications to turn their back on criminal behavior. Many times it's violent. They're letting a lot of, uh, uh, offenders out of prison that ended up pleading guilty to reduce charges when in fact they were guilty of much, you know, um, um, more egregious, violent behavior. And they're not, uh, they're not distinguishing, you know, the original charges. So they're, they're going to be put a lot of uh, violent criminals back on the streets. But I'll, I'll just finish up with this one exchange between Booker and Biden where old Booker, you know, really kind of finishes old Biden off. There was nothing done for the entire eight years he was mayor. There was nothing done to deal with the police department that was corrupt. Why did you announce in the first day a zero tolerance policy of stop and frisk and hire Rudy Giuliani's guy in 2007 when I was trying to get rid of the crack cocaine? Um, Mr. Vice President, there's a saying in my community, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. Uh, Say what? 
Dipping in the Kool-Aid and don't even know the flavor. Okay. Dipping in the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. Uh, you, need to, you need to come to the city of Newark and see the reforms that we put in place. The New Jersey head of the ACLU has said that I embraced reforms, not just in action, but in deed. Sir, you are trying to shift the view from what you created. There are people right now in prison for life, for drug offenses because you stood up and used that tough on crime phony rhetoric that got a lot of people elected but destroyed communities like mine well they didn't destroy communities they saved communities and he's a reform one of the people he's referring to right there cory booker he, he's actually got a uh, a campaign out trying to release this guy that he says is serving a life sentence for drug offenses well, yeah, he was ultimately convicted of uh, drug offenses, but he was also a major drug dealer. And if Cory Booker is going to lament that this guy is rotting away in jail for the rest of his life for drug offense, I want to bring up the, f- the, the dozens of mother's children that are f- six feet underground now because of the poison. can't remember this guy's name. I think it might be Underwood. The poison that he... Uh, spread into the streets in Newark and uh, in, in in New York City. He was a violent drug dealer. He had a big drug kingpin um, operation. And now they're portraying him, him as just, you know, some sort of uh, uh, drug offender that's uh, being unduly punished. When, in fact, he was known to be, at the time, one of the most violent drug dealers in the uh, the tri-city areas, as I like to call it. So, you know, if, if this line of, um, and I guess I shouldn't leave this until I get to, to the, the exchange between uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who is one of the few people up there on stage that occasionally says something that makes sense. She went after Kamala Harris for Kamala Harris's um, record as a prosecutor in California, which I'm glad I'm, I'm happy that she do anything she can to knock Kamala Harris off that stage because I cannot listen to that woman's nasal whine for the next 18 months, much less for the next, um, five years. But, uh, Gabbert, uh, at, at one point tur- uh, turned on her heel and went right at Kamala Harris. Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. I don't know. I don't know the truth or not of uh, Gabbard's accusations there. They sound pretty bad if you're keeping people in jail past their release date and you're uh, hiding exculpatory evidence in order to keep people on death rows. And, and most certainly, prosecutors are often guilty of those sort of, sort of um, violations. You might expect it from prosecutors that uh, 
got their job, shall we say, through uh, other than professional means. That's why they reported that uh, uh, Kamala Harris slept her way into her her political career with uh, Willie Brown, who has written, as a matter of fact, articles in the San Francisco newspapers saying, yes, exactly, that's what happened. Apparently got a mad on for a camel of these days. Uh, but, you know, this was a recurring theme. This um, anti-police, pro-criminal justice reform, they like to call it. You had Castro doing it. You had Gillibrand doing it. Harris doing it. Uh, and Cory Booker doing it. And if they want to take, you know, a uh, anti-law enforcement theme into the 2020 election, I'm glad for them to uh, to take that position. The other big debate that uh, was going on was on the health care. And as I mentioned earlier, it's very difficult. Watched uh, how many hours? Uh, six, uh, 12 hours of debate so far between the Miami debates and the Mo- Motor City debates. And I, I still... Don't know what position is, hell, any of the candidates have. They're all um, muddled and confused. Of course, uh, Bernie and Focahontas and uh, now Kamala Harris, they support bills that will do away with uh, with private health care and transition everybody into socialized health care, that they're getting away with calling Medicare for all. Anytime you hear somebody use that word, Medicare for all, you need to correct them. Point out that Medicare is a prepaid old age health insurance program that you pay into it your entire working career. If they want to talk about a free health care system, they need to talk about Medicaid for all. Medicaid is the program that helps uh, poor people and people that can't afford health care. Medicare is nothing of the sort. We we have Medicare for all right now. If you pay into Medicare for your life, once you get to retirement age, you become eligible for old age health insurance prepaid. That's Medicare. And we have Medicare for all right now. So uh, at one point, uh, Biden, who is trying to have it both ways. He's trying to defend Obamacare and he's trying to acknowledge or run away from it at the same time because of all the damage it's done. He went after Harris on her plan. Vice President Biden, your response? The plan, no matter how you cut it, costs $3 trillion when it is in fact employed. Number one, 10 years from now, after two terms of the senator being president, after her time. Secondly, it will require middle class taxes to go up, not down. Thirdly, it will eliminate employer based insurance. And fourthly, what happens in the meantime? I actually think it. It costs more. I think uh, that's another case of Biden getting his numbers wrong. It's 30 trillion dollars. It's not three trillion dollars. It's even more. It's over 70% of the federal budget for the next 10 years. Yeah, that's $30 trillion, not $3 trillion. 
I think it was uh, Michael Bennett that uh, pointed that out last night when he was uh, up there, you know, trying to carry the torch for the so-called moderates. Here's a, here's a clip between Harris and Bennett pointing out uh, this argument. Senator Bennett had suggested that you support banning employer-based health insurance. Is that true? Well, first of all, I, with all due respect to my friend, Michael Bennett, uh, my plan is, does not offer anything that is illegal. Um, what it does is it separates the employer from health care, meaning that where you work will not be a, you're where, the kind of health care you get will not be a function of where you work. I have met so many Americans who stick to a job that they do not like, where they are not prospering, simply because they need the health care that that employer provides. It's time that we separate employers from the kind of health care people get. And under my plan, we do that. As it relates to the insurance and the pharmaceutical companies, who will not be called in and who will not be taken to task by Senator Biden or Senator Bennett's plan, we will do that. Senator Bennett, I want to bring you back. Senator Harris is my friend as well. But I have to say, if we can't admit, if we can't admit tonight what's in the plan, which is banning employer-based insurance, we're not going to be able to admit that when Donald Trump is accusing Democrats of doing that as well. We need to be honest about what's in this plan. It bans employer-based insurance and taxes the middle class to the tune of $30 trillion. Do you know how much that is? That is 70% of what the government will collect in taxes over the next 10 years. <laughs> they don't need to that, do that. The, uh, the Marxists don't want to hear that kind of talk. The Marxists are about giving stuff away. They're not into telling anybody how they're going to pay for it or how any of this will work. Because, of course, it won't. If they try to implement it, they'll do what they've done to all Marxist economies, ultimately. They destroy the work ethic. They uh, they tax till they can't tax anymore, and the whole thing collapses. So I'm glad uh, we are through with this latest round of Democrat uh, presidential debates. I doubt very seriously I will cover them so heavily in the future. But uh, tomorrow we'll get into some more uh, meaty news that has been going on these last two nights, and I hope you'll come back and join us then. Right here, on right now, on the Talk America radio station. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com.